thank you, Pete Townsend. Forever is no time at all. And that's how I felt uh, with uh, you being gone for three weeks, Brian. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's good to be back. And it, it did feel like forever. I can't believe it's been three weeks or three and a half weeks now. Yeah. Since we've last casted. Last casted. We were listening to uh, Infinity License episode 26 uh, here in the new year for the first time. Uh, Brian is uh, newly back from the Middle Kingdom. Yeah, I, I recently returned from China and the Philippines as well. So I got two two countries uh, knocked off on this tour. Um, but uh, China was the... Uh, the Philippines, I was just basically on the beach the whole time. China was the more interesting cultural por- portion of the trip. And I also brought back... Some some gifts from the Silk Road. Oh yeah, if you will not the not the bit, yeah the <laughs> dread pirate. Yeah, so I need this. Ba- I need the bag back. But the, the oh, what's I was in there? About this bag. No, the bag it's is my what bag. I use to get my groceries. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it feels um, crunchy. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh shit. So Lenny is right now looking at. It's a, he has another similar gift coming to him there, but it's a T-shirt I got him at the Great Wall. It says <laughs> Obama. Obama. It's written in uh, both. Um, I've only seen these symbols uh, tattooed on tr- personal trainers. Apparently, this is what the Chinese language looks like. Yes, it is. And uh, yeah, it's a picture of uh, like a Che-ish. Um, uh, I think it's technically supposed to be Mao. Well, I he's looking off into the. Oh, it the is kind angle of like a Che style. Yeah. Except for Che was uh, didn't have that smile on his face. Uh, that's Cul- awesome. Yeah, Thank cultural you. observation about yeah Mao is everywhere. But like, it's pretty impressive that Mao. Look at this guy. <laughs> That's the cult of personality that the Chinese like empire is built around, and in Beijing in particular, he is everywhere. Yeah. But it's like, like in America, that would never fly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think this is an artifact of um, people just used to always like everyone was just uglier back then. Like, you know how people talk about how JFK was such a good looking president? Yeah. But to me, he's like a really weird looking guy. Yeah. Like. He was also super sick. <laughs> well, we, you couldn't tell that from his face. His uh, like, you could kind of like you could kind of see in some pictures that is like uh, that guy should put on a little bit more weight. Like he's like he's looking super skinny. I don't know. Oh, he had a nice. Lenny, there's, there are more. Ooh, there's there more. more gifts there are more in gifts in the bag. Yeah, I really like this bag. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's another. So there's a postcard Ooh. I got you. This is a. Uh, I think this is a postcard of what I would look like if I was Chinese. That's exactly why I got it. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it. We, get, we should put that as the picture of the episode. It's a picture of a uh, Colombian Italian Chinese man. Yeah. Um, and what does it say on the front? For the best podcasting partner this side of Red China, here's <laughs> to a prosperous and bountiful podcasting year. Love, Bri Bri. Ah. Okay. Very. So this is a- the, yeah. very, most accurate fortune cookie I've ever yeah. gotten. So then, <laughs> this is name. the the next part. Okay, so I got you another. Oh, oh. Obama. This is another Obama. Oh, journal. <laughs> this is that's bound the other way too. Yeah. So I can put all my thoughts in it in reverse. Lenny DeFranco thought. And then the oh, final gee. the final gift is this Coca Cola <laughs> label that I got you. Okay, this is a Coca Cola. It's a Coca-Cola label with, I think, Warren Buffett. Yeah, that's right. Warren Buffett on it. <laughs> it is Warren it's Buffett. It's written in Chinese. Is this Chinese or is it Filipino? It's, no, it's Chinese. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, is What is the name of the language there? Tagalog? No, in Philippines. Philippines is t- Tagalog. Yeah. Uh, but like in China, it's This is Chinese? Chinese. Yeah, it's Chinese. Uh, wow, um, that looks different from any Chinese I've Yeah, seen. it's just the Coke label looks it's different. A, it's just a, it's a Coke label pulled off of a bottle written in Chinese, and then next to the Cherry Coke, like... Label is a cartoon image of Warren Buffett. Yeah, do they love Warren Buffett? They love Warren Buffett. And why? Which is I asked our friend who we were visiting there. I was like, why would I have to buy this? And I wanted to bring back the whole thing so we could like drink it live on the cast. But then I was like, oh, they're not going to let me on a plane with like the twenty ounces of cherry coke. <laughs> also, I know what real sugar uh, cherry coke tastes like. I know exactly. Thank you, um, corn embargo lobby. Yeah. Um, 
But the, so he's like, yeah, they love they love Warren Buffett here because in Chinese culture, it's seen as if you're a rich person, it's like you. It's kind of like it's similar to I guess maybe it's a Calvinist kind of thing where it's like if you're you're rich because you're good, like yeah. you, and and so the, or like that, and especially in his case where he's kind of a humble guy, like he's from like humble beginnings, but is a wealthy person. So and them, stayed humble too, which is probably also yeah, very appealing. Still eating at Dairy Queen, <laughs> um, and so yeah, that that's like they 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 see him as a very like lucky and like good person in China. And okay. so I was like, I, we're this is in the Forbidden City, so I got this cherry coke in the Forbidden City. And I was like, this is nuts. Like, this, Does well, Warren Buffett know that Coke is using his likeness I no to idea. market their cherry I should have co- done that homework on that. Okay, uh, next question. This is Cherry Coke label. Is he on the regular Coke or is that like no, a, a picture only of on cherry uh, Coke. LeBron? <laughs> yeah, no. There's no There's no other Western images except for I did see a lot of Stefan Marbury images. Oh. Because Stefan Marbury, he played for the Beijing Ducks. Yeah, yeah, totally. Really, um, Pre-freakout Stefan Marbury, Starbury. Yeah. Um, and or no post freak out like <laughs> oh, post freak out he still play yeah. there no no like I like I think dude I really like this bag all right well <laughs> you can't have it I like it too you, I gave you all these other cool gifts and then what you what you want is the bag I got the, yeah, yeah the I gifts. had to fly to the other side of the world and I, I had to find a Chinese likeness of you it does there. look like this has to be the episode <laughs> picture yeah <laughs> um, dude this is awesome thank you yeah no problem happy what to, was the occasion of this trip just a personal well, vacation um Meg's, vacation Meg's friends. Have been living there for two years. FYI, don't go to China unless you know somebody that lives there, because otherwise this trip this trip was awesome. China is the, like really cool place to go, but it would be I, I could see it being awful if we just like randomly like, hey, let's like check out check out particularly Beijing. Maybe like a city like Hong Kong would be a little bit more accessible because it's like more Western oriented um, in the Orient. <laughs> um, but like Beijing is certainly like heart of Red China, like a very like focused on like they they do not care about westerners really at all or cater to them in particular um like the, the, the city is not designed to be like tourist friendly no it's yeah. forbidden dude yeah. they, they told you not to come <laughs> i know but i went anyway uh, and i actually i got uh i think i'm i don't know if i'm going to pronounce this wrong but uh they call they call uh lao wai lao wai is like the term for essentially means like foreign devil uh, um <laughs> Uh, and so there was, you'd hear like, and then Matt, uh, our friend told us that he was like, yeah, look out for this. You'll, you'll hear. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, why? And then like, but like they say it kind of, it's like kind of saying it ironically or jokingly. Um, but they, uh, they, they definitely call it sound on that. And then like random Chinese people would just like want to take a picture with you. So at the Forbidden City, they were just like, <laughs> they, they saw me and they're like, now why? And then they're like, can yeah. you? And I was like, hey, I was like, whatever. Asshole, uh, you want to take a picture? I was like, hey, yeah, I'm like, whatever. Throw up the peace sign. Um, <laughs> it's my version of diplomacy, I suppose. Yeah. Did you acknowledge yourself as American or did you try to mask they didn't they, they didn't even like, they, they, they know you're they, American. They know I'm American or like, they might have thought I was European of some kind too, but they, they just, they did not speak English at all and were not interested in attempting. Okay, well, clearly they didn't want you that badly because they welcomed you by breaking your toe. How yeah. did this happen? Uh, the the uh, so the great people of the Philippines, a a strong uh, U.S. ally, um, <laughs> they they former decided, U.S. victim, current U.S. US role a- model because <laughs> the guy can kill people with impunity. Exactly. I love you, Duterte. Um, and. Uh, so I was in Boracay, which is just this cool, like paradise Island in the middle of Asia, uh, or the Southeast Asia. And as I was getting off the boat, 
they like lowered this little plank thing and the waves were coming in and I went to go step on the plank and a wave came in at the same time and just like essentially floated the plank as I was about to plant my foot and the plank just like went up into my like, yeah, toe. Ah. Yeah. And I was like instantly new. I got like, I hit it and then I hit the, like the beach the next. And then I was like bent over and they're like, <laughs> you okay? And I was like, I'm a hundred percent sure I just broke my toe. <laughs> and so I'm still dealing with that. But I had only gotten engaged a day before, so <laughs> it was like me starting my new life as a as a fiance or fiance. Which that I was, was God telling you you're never gonna put your foot down again. Oh, and then like with it, you would have laughed because and then also literally like ten minutes I'm walking around with a limp with a broken toe, and then I didn't notice this, but then Meg pointed it out after I. So th- I also had like a giantly, essentially like a mosquito bite the size of like a like a silver dollar on my face, and she's like, "What happened to your face?" And like oh, all of a sudden, I just got this bite on this island that I already broken my toe. At. I got like a huge, essentially tropical like mosquito bite that uh, was just like, "Oh yeah, you you have <laughs> like you said this like welt on my face." It went and then it went down suddenly. So I probably have some kind of crazy tropical disease. <laughs> cool. Uh, um, and other things that were crazy in Asia is that like uh, the, one other story, one anecdote I wanted to tell is that. So basically, like, Boracay, the infrastructure of the island is that, like, around the, cir- the circumference of the island is all these, like, kind of resort hotels and, like, Airbnbs that are bougie and stuff that you can stay at, That's which is where we stayed. But the, you know, tourism poverty that exists on the interior of the island is, like, basically the infrastructure to get you everywhere. So you have to take these, like, little, like, essentially improvised bikes everywhere. And so in the lead-up to, like, whether motorbikes, like 50cc motorbikes, or just, like, little, like, bikes that are essentially have a sidecar welded to the side of them. And so I, leading up to this trip where I, this is the part where I thought I was really going to get hurt, was that I had, you just have to hire these people to get everywhere. And I was like, oh, I needed to get ice for our beer for this trip. So I was like, okay. And then this kid rolls up to me on a Hello Kitty motorcycle. And I was like, he's like, you need a ride? And I was like, I do need a ride. And I was like, so I get on the back of this bike with this kid who was probably 13 and weighed about half my weight. Like he was lucky if he was 80 pounds. And uh, then I was like, uh, then I was like, oh, actually, I need ice. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take you to get ice. And he just like tears down this side alley where there's just like chickens and stray dogs running everywhere and just like dirt, like dirt alley. And I was like, I'm going to get murdered for sure right now by Duterte's death squad. <laughs> and uh, and then he, he takes me. But then he takes me to a guy who's selling ice. I was like, oh, OK, here he is. Like, How much do you need? I was like, I don't know. He's like 80 kilos. I'm like, that feels like too much. I can't do <laughs> and then I was like, how that hurt. And then I was like, then I was like 40. No, this is before I even broke my toe. Oh. So this is like before I even did that. I was like, 40. he's like, okay, 40. Take, he essentially go gets a garbage bag full of 40 kilos of ice, which was way too much. And then he's like, I'm like, how are we going to carry this? He's like, don't worry about it. And he throws it on the bike. And then we, me and this kid ride straight downhill and not like a gradual downhill, like downhill, downhill, <laughs> like San Francisco style downhill. And, uh, and on the back of this 50 CC Hello Kitty bike, with uh, 40 kilos of ice, me and this child driving a bike. <laughs> and then he drove me. And then I like to to my my Airbnb. And then we made it safely. But the whole time down, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm going to get so hurt. I'm going to get so hurt. And it was totally fine. And then I paid him 100 pesos, which is essentially $2. <laughs> well earned. Dude, if, it was, if it's not the desk watch that'll get you, it's the fucking badass uh, moped driving. Yeah, he was pretty dope. Give it to that kid. I don't know his name. But it, he, uh, he, he, he got me safely to my destination. Did uh, they have lines? Yes. Okay. So that the line culture thing will get. Oh, let's talk about it now. The line culture thing. So what I know observed about they do love lines, and but like they, it was kind of messy lines. They would not necessarily like the lines existed, but also you could kind of just like if you wanted to just like bum rush the front, you could. Um, 
And that, like, from our friends talking there, the analysis there was that that's basically the leftover from, like, the Great Leap Forward when people were like, basically, if you weren't the first person in line, you didn't get food. So, like, a lot of the older people, that's definitely the case, where you just, like, you, older people were just, like, if there was a thing there was, like, they thought there would be a limited supply of, they would just bum rush the front. But also a weird thing, though, is that there will be, like, two kind of, like, identical businesses next to each other almost, or in, sell, owned by the same people and selling the same product or like in adjacent to each other or like facing each other on opposite sides of the street. But if there was a line at one, people would go wait at the lined one and not the one. And there would be, the other one would be empty. And they would, because they were, they were like, Oh, because that one has a line, they have like the good stuff. Oh, there. So it is the relativism yeah. with lines. Yeah. Okay. So that's a kind of what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah. It is. It, it definitely is the, the idea being, which is also, yeah, but it's rel- relative in the sense that, in the Western perspective, if you saw two of the same businesses that were selling the same like dumplings or whatever, and you saw the one with no line, where would you go? Yeah, but I, I would go to the, the empty one. But yeah. I also probably, if I was trying to get buy a car or something or do something like a make a larger scale purchase, I'd probably go with where the. Uh, that's yeah. why Apple's in business. I mean, like the iPhone sells a product, or the iPhone is a product that's basically um, selling technology that is has already first appeared in like Samsungs and stuff and people still buy the you know premium finished product because that's where everyone else is doing. right yeah um, basically what I realized in this trip granted it was I was only in China for five days and then I was in the Philippines for six days but but you were on DMT so it was like 10,000 years yeah it was, it was exactly it was like five minutes lasted like a thousand years um, and we should do DMT on the podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, Let's start off that episode by saying what you're about to hear is not us on DMT. <laughs> and then do DMT. And, uh, uh, but is that all of our like Western media analysis of China is through a Western lens and it's just like applying. It's like trying to understand a completely alien culture through what we interpret. It's like a more like, like actual aliens, like trying to understand what like another like what their motivation what the motivations of a culture are and what the motivation like applying our western motivations to like what how china like the chinese live their lives which I, I in just my cursory observations is not a workable model well, what it, is so different i mean what do we get wrong they i think like the the idea that a that china really has china has no interest in like kind of a like the foreign adventurism that America has, they d- certainly want to project their power, and they they have like Xi Jinping has like the one belt one road policy, and they they definitely have interests in Africa, but that's from a sense of just like kind of pure preservation of the Middle Kingdom, of, like of China. It's not re- necessarily from like to project Chinese power in a way to say that like the Chi- the Chinese are the best on the planet. They've just been living a certain way for a long amount of time, and they just want to continue to preserve like a a culture and a like they 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 don't have this view. They don't. They certainly don't have American exceptionalism. That way. they don't like Chinese exceptionalism would be like a hard characteristic to apply to that that country. Uh. You know, I've heard that. Um, like I, I I was talking to British people one time about American Idol because you know it was pop idol in England. Right. And they were like, yeah, no one would ever listen, would ever watch it if it was called British Idol. Yeah. Like, you know, they, that's not a thing there. And so I think that I buy the observation that we have a unique kind of like very performative uh, nationalism. But what what about your like stay there gave you the sense that like that's behind like they don't actually have any like international ambitions uh, like in a foreign policy sense? Um, 
Because I think they are. So here's what I've heard about them. Like, I think that they don't um, view them their role as combatively uh, concurring yes. as we do. Yes. But actually, Henry Kissinger had a um, a famous well a line that I think is cool, which is that um, the U.S. plays chess, or like the West plays chess with its foreign policy, and China plays Go. It doesn't want to get surrounded. It wants to be. You know, it's playing a very long game, a very yeah. much more elegant game. And complicated game, and so um, I think they definitely want to. They're they're engaged, and they want to sort of uh, influence this anarchic world that we live in. That like we've taken a certain approach to it, but I think that they do like with the One Belt One Road project and with other like their sort of aggression in the South China Sea and stuff. I think they are sort of in a, in a land grab mode, uh, a little bit. Uh, but from what I can tell from people that I was talking to that were journalists or people that were working. Um, in the field is that a lot of that is a little bit of window dressing and a lot of like saying that we want to do that. And, it, it, you know, it's the same way. It's, it's almost like a make America great again, or a, uh, a pro, like a projection of like, Oh yeah, we're going to do the, this ambitious policy, but it's like, yeah, they, they will. They'll certainly make some inroads in that, that kind of space. But I don't know. Like they only have one, they only have one base outside of their borders. You know how many like U.S. foreign bases we have? It's like over 100. It, it, I think it's like 800. No, yeah. no, no, it's not that bad. So, so like that kind of stuff where it's like they'll say that, but it's also like it's also one of the things where it's it was crazy being there because it's a country that is simultaneously like very lawful and authoritarian, but also completely lawless. Like, tra- like traffic laws are kind of like thrown out the window. Like corruption is like pretty like standard in some ways and other ways it's like corruption is tolerated and pretty standard in some ways and in other ways it's just like uh it's not tolerated and would be shut down instantly and then there's all this stuff where you're like oh, okay well actually this is kind of similar to home but just presented in a different way like where i was saying that you know maybe there should be more like state-owned enterprise do you remember this conversation where we were talking about like maybe there should be more american state-owned enterprises but like our culture wouldn't really tolerate that because instantly people would be like oh the government runs it it's bad or whatever but like i flew air china which is a government run and it was fine but i was like well at first i was like well in america we wouldn't tolerate that because we were like are this hyper capitalist like country but at the same time I'm like well a lot of major corporations do kind of do a heavy amount of lobbying and working colluding with the government in a way that it's just like the approach is different it's starting at different ends of the spectrum where it's just kind of like oh, okay this is just the chinese government that owns this or like this is a business that op- like a major top 500 fortune company that cooperates heavily with america uh, the american government to do business domestically and abroad i mean we have uh, amtrak you know and like amtrak is not particularly run that well and like i you know i I don't know if it's necessarily a a philosophical reason that we don't have an official flagship carrier here like we have three legacy but like um, but but carriers but they're but like i think that it they probably work better for having to compete well is it i don't think that i see i don't i disagree because it's uh, it in China, though, their their rail system works really well. <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, you know, Hitler made the trains run on time. This yeah. is not this is not like a. I mean, I I I've broken that um, Godwin's law, but like, uh, I mean, I, like having a strong state can manifest in having order in certain areas. But like, well, that does that's, it run well. That's kind of what I was efficiently. That's that's kind of what I was getting to, and that gets to the whole thing where I'm like, well, this is just like I think applying just like pure like just calling this a communist or capitalist country outright and even then me thinking about it was like well i guess we can't even really do this for america too this is the logic my train of logic went because i was like oh, okay like maybe in a like autocratic single party system a train system like a state-run train system can run really well but it doesn't work in a in a liberal 
liberal democracy that a Western style democracy because of these different reasons. So it's like, is, is state run capital just like an impo- like it's just like in, in not able to negotiate an open democracy. And if we had an autocratic system, it would work better. Or is it like, you know, like which of these, which of these like economic policies and then like governmental po- uh, governance policies are incompatible with each other and why did like some work in certain ways and some work in others I or, or, are some better like it's in another instance too of is like is this better or worse like there's certain elements of this that are better like that they oh they can just like decide that they want to build like a rail system that runs 100 miles per hour and can get you the distance from Boston to DC in like an hour but they also can just like blow up neighborhoods and just like they do not care about like <laughs> who's in between I've heard that in China like at the stroke of 3 o'clock the wheel starts turning like on the train yeah is, is that was it area observation? Oh yeah, that that the it's uh, like very timely. Oh yeah, the, the subway and was which, perfectly on time. Like we, it, it's not like the MTA where it's if the train is one minute away, it is one minute away exactly. Yeah, yeah. which is a hallmark again of uh, like, I mean, fascism is a good way to achieve that. Um, like the, uh, there's a Noam Chomsky line which I'm gonna attribute to him because I don't know if he's telling the truth or not. But supposedly when Mussolini took charge in uh, Italy. Like the predecessor of the Wall Street Journal or, or some like financial paper said, the WAPs de-WAPify themselves because they're finally you know getting order in their right. messy economy. And then the like, question is like you're balancing a lot of different factors, and um, for the sake of having like very rigid order that like in some ways works well, you maybe you don't have like you know probably the union workers that can that can protest or strike in, against Amtrak. Right. Um, or you know like they can shut down. Um, it, I guess it all depends on how you la- like. I think. I think we should all just walk away from these like ist or ism kind of labels for a while and just kind of redetermine because it's like because what this trip made me think of was like, well, what is like is being a capitalist good is being a communist good? Are they both bad? Yeah, like probably it's because it's like if you ask somebody in America, that's kind of what I was talking about before we went on the cast where I was like talking to relatives who might or might not have supported Trump or whatever. Where it's like, like, well, we just like capitalist competition or whatever. But if I under scrutiny, if I start to ask these people questions, I'm like, well, what does like what does capitalism mean to you? Does it mean like a free market economy where it's like, well, like once you start to like, does it mean a free market economy where people are allowed to enter the marketplace at any point? It's like, okay, that's fine. But like, how do you feel about like kind of capitalist like oligopoly where where you know, like certain companies beca- like can just corner markets and then just monopolize certain markets? So you, then you. You don't like that, so you do think there should be government interference. But is that then you're like, well, is that ca- true capitalism? Are you really a true capitalist at that point? You know, like, and same thing with communism, where it's like, well, China. I don't think I think China is China first, and then communist second. Like, they're, like they're definitely an autocratic society, where they're, but they're not. They're not just like they're not reading Marx all the time. You know, like they're they're not just like talking about like capital and like the reappropriation of like, I think communism was a convenient political label and certainly elements of their government rely on that. But I I don't think, and they, they certainly like a lot of their rhetoric relies around like serving the people and the China being like one united, like a people's government, a people's Republic of China. But I I don't know about like saying like uh, applying the communism label in the sense that it's like, Oh, well they believe in like the redistribute redistribution of goods. Like China's got more billionaires every year, like fast and they yeah. d- and they don't disdain that and they don't disdain the bourgeoisie if anything they really like kind of like capitalist consumer chintzy, chintzy shit it was oh a, yeah was it really polluted it was the first day it wasn't but then the second day it was like you can feel it with the pollution is like it like it gave me a headache and, and it's like you can see it like it's like some days you'd be, see clear as day and then the next day you'd, you'd like have trouble seeing like the street sign uh at the end it was just like this haze where you get this like metal kind of taste in your mouth and you can like 
it sucked. Like pollution is no like I do not want to live in a very polluted city. It's uh, or in a city with absolutely no like regulation on pollution. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, it clearly people cannot self-regulate even when they're like <laughs> yeah. energy production. Yeah. It's a uh, it's nuts. So the pollution was a real thing, and I don't want to live in that. But the Airpocalypse beer at the Great Leap Brewing Company. Fantastic, and I bought their T-shirt. So. It's written in English too, so very touristy. Yeah, they're they're very. This is one of the few areas that was like this is like America town, and <laughs> like and we have Chinatown cowboy. Have, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was exactly. Except for there was America town populated by Americans. Yeah, that, it was. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, not not really. It was like there was like a lot of Westerners there. I mean, it wasn't actually America town, but there was like a part of the city where it was yeah. like okay, like this is expat area yeah it's like i expat. saw a lot more laowise than i did in other parts of the city so uh all right so it, a couple of months ago in china there was a um uh there was some like board a uh, governor at the at the communist party meeting this was a month ago actually and uh someone asked it was like a on the sidelines of the meeting and um they asked him uh for commentary on what well, he had recently made a statement about why um like he people should uh, be sort of cautiously optimistic, not super optimistic about the Chinese economy. Uh, and he mentioned uh, by name this guy, Minsky. And he said he believed that um, the, uh, both the globe and China was headed toward a so-called Minsky moment. So the, uh, a Minsky moment is is named after uh, an economist named Hyman Minsky, who was a, uh, working in like the middle of the century. And in the late 50s, he came up with this idea, um, which got later named the Minsky moment in like 1998. But the idea was basically that stability breeds instability in financial markets. And the idea is pretty simple, which is that um, it's kind of like a damned if you do, a damned if you don't concept. Like, even when conditions are really good uh, economically, all that means is that they're going to end up, like, that means the investors are getting a lot of returns, and eventually they're going to have money irresponsibly put into speculative um, areas. And uh, I think technically what the idea means is that at some point you're going to get um, like the debt that they have taken on is going to be unrepaid by the actual cash and they're going to have to sell it off and then it's going to cause like a spiraling in asset prices when they try to get cash to pay off their, their debts. So it's pretty much just like the name for a bubble popping. Right. Um, but the, the important thing about it is that it specifically refers to the reason why there is a bubble in the first place and it's that when things are good, things get irresponsible. Yeah. Right. Simple idea. And... I was thinking about this because in terms of crypto, um, one of the things that I was really excited about was that for a long time, I've sort of been like bemoaning the fact that we don't have an alternative financial system to put our money in. Right. Like it would be great if you could have this one casino where all you know the institutional investors could go gambling and like make all their predatory returns. But then if you're, you know, like a retiree and you have a pension fund, you know, right. put that in some sort of alternative um, financial system, not just safer assets, which is what they currently do, but like a different one that's not going to get taken down when AIG goes out of business. Lenny, are you advocating for the free coinage of silver? Are you, <laughs> are you, are you William Jennings Bryan? And I us? demand a return, too. Uh, I, wanna, I want a currency printed on Mendeleevium. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, no, so I know I'm not, I'm not proposing that. I, I, I'm saying that I think that I was a fan of cryptocurrencies because I was like, okay, this is allowing us to create this new new uh, system away from these people. But then I was like, wait a minute, what if this just is the system for those people? I mean, right, right now, a lot of investment uh, firms are like sitting on this mountain of cash because they can't really figure out where to put it because there's nowhere that's going to return that much at this point. Everything's so frothy. Everything's pretty expensive. And so cryptocurrency obviously is where all this money is going. And so um, 
it's sort of, and you know, like this is what if the benefit of cryptocurrency, contrary to what I've been saying, what if the benefit of cryptocurrency is that this can be this like self contained, totally, completely divorced from the economy? Like there's no actual economic value lost if everything crashes, just right. a bunch of speculative money. And what if the benefit to society is that, that basically just serves as a sort of siren song for all this dumb money that's chasing greedy returns? Yeah. Um, now, I, okay, so that was, that was the thought. I think that my response upon thinking about it further was that um, the whole point about investing in cryptocurrencies at this point in time is that I think that people like us are betting that there could be a real utility for the currency in the future, that um, there's going to be some sort of point of fracture with like, you know, our, our federal banking system or yeah, whatever, the monetary it, policy it, just yeah. is going to be unsustainable at some yeah. point. And, um, and that this is going to offer like a, a legitimate alternative that there's the underbanked around the world that are going to be able to use this to transact globally, right. that, you know, and, and all that stuff. And I still think that buying into it, um, makes sense. Uh, and I, like, I haven't sold my positions or anything, but it, it's an interesting concept that like, cause I just looked at it from the other side. Like what if, Instead of like offering a respite for, for those of us that are not institutional investors to get away from this, what if this is the thing that actually is just attracting them all, and then this is the shit that's going to go down, saving the rest of us? Right. Um, because there, there have been, I think, a lot. I, I've shared a similar concern. I was actually kind of, in the run-up to 19000 I was like almost kind of mad because I was like, well, I don't plan on selling. Like I, My friends always, like, well, I had a big argument with my, not argument, but like just debate or discussion with my friends where they were like, well, when would you sell? Like, well, what's your price point? I'm like, essentially, if I can put like a down payment on like an asset that I really want, like a house, th- like a house that I want, not like a house in Detroit or something like that. Uh, and yo, that has and, to that should be a moment when the price, the median price of a house in Detroit equals one Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna call it a Pisano moment. Oh, Pis- the Pisano, yeah, the Pisano moment. Um, point Pisano. A point. Uh, uh, but there's a lot of cheap money going into the system. There's a cheap money floating around. People don't feel feel whether untrustworthy or just like don't have anywhere institutional investors and regular people have, there's like no barrier to entry to this market. So they're just like, they're all like going, going whole hog into the, or like some people are just, there's a lot of dumb money piling into this, into the system. So that's why when I saw it go up to 19,000, I was almost mad. I'm like, Oh, like this is not what I want. I don't like it. it I think Bitcoin does a lot better, a little bit out of the spotlight. And I could tell that too because when the news, when the crash came, they're like, people are like, oh, Bitcoin crash, like, lol, sorry, crypto losers, or whatever. I'm like, it's it's still six thousand dollars more than it was. Like, it's like, it's all relative, and like a lot of the financial news that we get is is perpetuated by just this like you know yeah, Twitter absolutely. kind of. It's very sensationalist. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, in terms of crypto losers, I was looking at, uh, I just googled like Minsky moment crypto. And I came across a Reddit thread, and um, there was like three comments on it. And uh, obviously, this is not something they want to really countenance. Right. But one of the comments was um, the Minsky moment idea is that's not falsifiable and should be considered meaningless. <laughs> like everything in the world has to be a goddamn math problem. So that yeah. I mean, there are a lot of crypto losers out oh, there. Oh yeah, no, I'm not, I I I don't doubt that, and I agree with that. That there there are a certain amount of people that are putting way too much stake in it. I think it is. I stand by my statement that this is the, one of the coolest experiments in money since the invention oh, yeah, of money. Absolutely. So that that's why anyone who's at least interested in how monetary policy works or interested in a potential future of a different way, means of exchange should definitely get involved in Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency where you can be part of like like we said the most the value in a uh, cryptocurrency is that there's this open community that understands. Uh, 
or is is participating in the development of the and use of the technology as opposed to the current system that we have which is just basically a kind of black box where the um where the essentially for all intents and purposes national bank injects money into a couple commercial banks and then gets money to us via those avenues yeah eventually so like after it goes through a couple uh you know rounds in the laundry all right so uh uh, last up uh we got a uh it's still football season barely and uh we're gonna quickly run through a um once upon a time brian on air made a bet that was uh to have basically faith in uh Smoking Jay Cutler. He dumb. thought he thought in the summer that the, the Dolphins could make the wild card. They did not make the wild card. I thought the Dolphins were going to do what the Bills did. Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. Like that, because they kind of snuck the Bills, kind of snuck in, and well, they had no yeah. and they had no business being there. They also had a shitty quarterback who kind of. No, Tyrod Taylor's better than. Well, he's I don't know. Than about that. He's not better than exactly. Jay Cutler. But anyway, um, okay. So uh, you lost that bet, I and uh, so you owe me twenty dollars. But I understand that you have some sort of so alternate I have a proposal. Proposal. I I will. I have a crisp $20, not crisp really, but okay. a $20 Andrew Jackson right here. Yes. He's looking at this $20 bill. I'm looking at it right now. Andrew He's holding it in front of his genitals, yes. Yes. Uh, signed by... Uh, yeah, who's the Treasury uh, Secretary? Secretary of Treasury, Hank Paulson. Ah. Henry... The best of all. Paulson Jr. Um, what year was this? 2006. Before our... Pre- Friday, ooh, uh, that's yeah. an antique. Yeah. Um, so the 2006 model of the twanky, the $20 bill, <laughs> um, or, or I could give you at the, pr- at the time of the, this bet, the time that we made the bet, the time we made the bet in August of 2017. Okay. okay. I will give you what $20 worth of Ethereum in August, late August of 2017, oh my God. but we have to parlay the bet into, which is now worth more. Oh but, yeah. But, but Ethereum. So since August, when we made the bet, Ethereum has gone up like Three times, four times. It's about a thousand dollars more. That it was. I think it was. It was two hundred. It's the mid two hundreds in late August, and now it's worth about at this time date and time. It's about thirteen hundred. Okay. US, okay. So USD. this is gonna be like a. This is gonna be like a eighty dollar bet. Yeah. Okay. What are we betting on? We're betting on who is gonna win the AFC Championship game. Oh, Jaguars Patriots. Jaguars Patriots. Okay. Um, Jaguars, if you're British. Jaguar. Jaguars. I think. Uh, well, who are you gonna? Who do you want to take? I will be taking the Patriots. Oh yeah, dude! I'll totally take the Jaguars. All right, there we go. The, okay, so okay, so this is an awesome bet. No, right? so no, sp- no spread, no line. No, pure, no, just pure victory. Up victory. Okay, yeah. so we're gonna bet the equivalent. We got to look up what this is, but we're gonna bet the equivalent of twenty dollars of Ethereum in August. We got to find what it like. A great I think it's date. about. It's in the mid two hundreds. Uh, is my okay? Guess so there. well, the, the twenty dollars worth of Ethereum in August, whatever that's worth now on the outcome of the game. Yes. Okay, I accept your bet. And Lenny, who is the team that you are? The Jaguars. Ja- ja- Lenny is predicting an upset, I think, by Dude, many. Dude, you moved Tom Brady off his spot. He's not that good. And the defense kind of the The Jaguars have a good defense, but I, I just think, I think this is, is also, I'm going to be labeled a conspiracy theorist, but I don't, I don't believe in rigged the rigged statement about the U.S. government. I do believe that the NFL is rigged for the, the New England <laughs> Patriots. Like I think that they like there will be some bullshit calls. You'll see a bunch of pass interference calls on on Rob Greg. The Jaguars are known for having a great secondary. You'll see that secondary blown up by a bunch of like bullshit holding and pass interference calls. I guarantee it right now. So that's why I, I know you're right, and I yeah. and I. But the Jaguars, the better. If it was any other team versus the Patriots, you'd be taking the Jaguars too. If it was any other team versus the Jaguars. 
Jaguars. Oh. Like that had an immobile quarterback. The, the Patriots. I mean, they're, they're playing the Titans. So Dude, it's, it's the Patriots. Yeah, it's yeah. The pa- they're going to win. Yeah. But well, I'm still taking the Jaguars. All right. Well, there you go. All right. So it's on the record. It's on. All right. All right, man. Um, we got a great episode lined up for next week. So uh, stay tuned for that. Brian, I'm glad to see you back. This is the, the year of 50 episodes, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you. And uh, yeah, catch you guys next week on the license.